0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Just off mic, me and Adam have been comparing our bad weeks at work, but sitting down to do this, we've come to a realization At least we're not employed at Goodison Park, desperately waiting for Andre to pick up the damn phone. See people, things can always be worse. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Rory,
2: it has indeed been quite a tense and tough week, but at least we can unwind and talk about Coppa Italia, transfers and a hell of a lot of
1: football this weekend. So more importantly, mate, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. I am good. I'll definitely be glad to see the weekend. But there has been like a lot of football that has been easy to ignore, like the Coppa Italia. We always try and keep an eye on it, but it sneaks through there. Uh, the <laughs> Carabao Cup was pretty uneventful, but we will talk about it. And as you said, mm. there was a lot of business in the transfer window, mainly from England, uh, mainly from Southwest mm. London. But <laughs> we will be talking a little bit of Italian transfers with yes. that as well. And to join us, we do have a guest that we've been waiting for a very long time to have on the show. Uncle Sharma, Inter Interista and Calcio expert will be taking us through the transfer window and looking forward to the Milan derby. So, Adam, I've not asked you how your week was, but we need to get to the break so we can bring in (laughs) Uncle Sharma. Is that okay?
2: Let's do that.
1: Okay, we will see you listeners after this break. My name is David Artel and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Pod. And here we are. It is the Serie A transfer window roundup and you you keen-eyed viewers will be able to see that we've been joined by the man himself, Uncle Sharma. How are we doing, man?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, It's been a while since I joined you guys. I think it was uh, last, uh, last season at some point. So yeah, good to be back on. We Beautiful. are
1: delighted to have you. Um, we are going to be looking at Serie A transfer business and lack of it, I think. Not much money being thrown around. Um, but we need to start with Adam's rep in the shirt. We need to start with Inter, of course. Um, okay, let's talk Scrinio. What is going on? What's happened? How do you feel <laughs> about it?
0: Oh, you have to start with that one, don't you? Sorry, mate. Just straight <laughs> in at the defense. Oh, God. Where do we start? I mean, this. I mean, you were you're talking about Everton earlier, and then this feels like a a clangor that only Everton would uh, would throw. <laughs> you, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect uh, someone like you know Beppe Marotta to. Yeah, this incompetence. Like it feels like uh, yeah, the word that comes to mind is incompetence. I mean, how can you lose a, an asset that was worth. 60-70 million in the summer for for nothing now. It's uh, you know it's pretty much as close to official as he probably can get now mm-hmm. until we see him in a PSG shirt. So it looks like he's he's leaving and you know I can't blame him to be honest. He just hasn't you know other players were given priority to before him to get the renewal and maybe they took him for granted um and there was no way that they could match the the PSG offer you guys know mm-hmm even mm. as Premier League uh, clubs can't match you. If PSG step in the step in the ring, there's no way you mm. can compete, so forget Serie A clubs. But at the same time with Scrinia, you know, if people are listening, I'm actually repping a, a Scrinia shirt. I'm loving that. <laughs> but yeah, he was my favourite. Well, yeah, it was. I can't say he is. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. You don't want past <laughs> tense him, it's time. Yeah, yeah. He was my favourite player at Inter, so I do feel disappointed about this whole saga. I thought he was going to be the future captain or like, you know, the permanent future captain. So yeah, you know, I think on his side, his behavior, like recently the agent coming out and speaking, you know, whilst he was getting red carded against Empoli, (laughs) the timing was so (laughs) bad. (laughs) And, you know, apparently he even tried to force the move or kind of tried to push for the move in last, uh, last week. So yeah, overall, both parties to blame, definitely more on the management um and ownership but it is what it is that's more than football mm-hmm. i guess
1: and it's something that like we've been talking a bit adam about how shrewd <laughs> yeah. it have been in the market at times mm-hmm. and like you know free transfers keeping hold yeah. of their assets and stuff why do you think this one has kind of slipped through the net and it is it a, a kind of sign of things not being quite right at the back in general
0: yeah, as I said, I think they just didn't... So, last season, um, even though everything was like, you know, it looked like a mess, but in the end, we had managed to renew Lautaro renewed, uh, Barella renewed last year, mm-hmm. and uh, Brozovic. So, those three main, like, the core uh, the core of our team, I would say, is Lautaro, uh, Barella, uh, Bastoni, Brozovic, and Scrini. I would say, like, those are like, if you ask Inter fans, those are kind of like our five untouchables they're like you know mm. you can sell anyone else but just don't touch those five but management clearly maybe didn't see a screener like that because if you guys remember a few years ago even there were even spurs came to like you know negotiate you know Conte had him benched for a little bit um so it seems like they've never considered him an unsellable so and then this past summer you know PSG mm-hmm. came and um if they had the price was right he would have been gone so I think it's Maybe the management just didn't see him as important as maybe us Inter fans Mm -hmm. saw him. Um, They saw him more as a expendable. um, And Marotta said in the summer actually, which also maybe (laughs) triggered the screen here. He said it's easier to replace a centre back than a striker, which I don't know if I agree with in in modern football. I feel like Mm. you know centre backs are harder to come by these days.
2: Do you also feel that into were trying to squeeze as much as they could in terms of valuation for him? Because certainly that seemed to be the rumours for that summer period where it was rumoured to be around 60-70 million and Murata kind of traditionally in his kind of wisdom feels he can get just a little bit more out of like a bid and tries to just test the water a little bit but maybe just overstepped the mark with PSG because I think they rightly kind of just looked at his contract and went we'll get him in 12 months time on a free if you're going to act like this I mean do you feel that's been the problem with Inter's philosophy recently?
0: Yeah no I think you're you're spot on and It's yeah, his history shows even at Juve like he's 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 broken deals down just over you know 500k or 1 million or you know (laughs) it's uh you know so I think um someone I was oh yeah it was the Italian football podcast they were talking about the Verratti deal at Juventus yes and it was like it broke it broke broke down over 500k so um but at the same time it's a it's a kind of a good thing in terms of everyone knows Inter are broke right now Mm -hmm. but at the same time (laughs) we're not we're not getting bullied over like you know Lukaku. We got the full, you know, 100 million. The one, the price that we wanted, Hakimi, you know, it was about 70 Mm. million. Um, You know, with PSG and Scrinya, we said I think the price was 70 million. I think PSG got to around 60. So, you know, not too far. But I guess once you get to Mm. 60, 70, it's still 10 million away, but not that far. Um, So it's a good thing that we're not like getting bullied. But at the same time, yeah, probably in our situation, you know. And, you know, as you guys know, uh, probably the plan was screen out, Bremerin for half the price. It was like <laughs> 60 million out, 30 million in. So you've, you've saved, you've made the money that you need to make that Inter have to make every summer, which is like around plus 50, 60 net positive. So that would have killed two birds with one stone and maybe have even, you know, some space in there to get one other centre-back like Milenkovic, who was linked mm-hmm. from Fiorentina. So, yeah, strategy is... A- is a bit confused, I think, I would say, Inter.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, we we'll, we can kind of look a bit forward with Inter. Now, obviously, in January, you've not been able to bring anyone in. With the summer, I imagine they're already looking towards the summer. I've seen rumours of Brozovic being someone that could be expendable as well. Do you really expect this kind of fire sale to take part, or for them to
0: be willing to kind of start letting these, like, Skriniars the first of many, or...? Well, I think, yeah, I think Lukaku and Hakimi showed, I think that was the start. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that we had to sell both of those guys and it was like 170 million we made off those two. Then we only spent like 40 or 50 that Mm -hmm. summer. I think that was already the indication. So I think every summer is going to be someone, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone big, but it has to be, you know, substantial amount coming in off the sales and then not reinvesting that whole bunch. Mm -hmm. So... Brozovic, to me, like I tweeted about it today, I think it just because it looks like Hakan Chalanolu's deal is going to be renewed. He earns, and I think it's like squad cost as well. Like Barella, Hakan, and Brozovic are all on, you know, big paychecks. And Mm. I don't, I just don't see, and Brozovic is now 31. And this season, he's been like a machine since he's been at Inter. Yeah, like, never gets yeah. injured. And this season, somehow he's been injured. For like, yeah, he came back for the World Cup <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> broke yeah. the running record at the World <laughs> Cup and then got injured again. um But yeah, we know off the pitch his lifestyle. Like, he's is. You know it's a bit of a meme but at a certain time it does catch up with you you know ask mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i think he might just be seen as the similar to Screenia, like you know mm-hmm. his, his salary off the books and you know if whatever we can get you know it might be the time and hakan's really stepped in so well in that role like mm-hmm. i never expected mm-hmm. him to be the regista like i really yeah. like i am not even like exaggerating i haven't really missed I mean, Mm. we need him like numerically, but he's actually really, really, really good. So I think into board, I can imagine them saying like, we've got Aslani coming through. He's already like the vice uh, in that role. So, yeah, he might be that guy, I think.
1: Damn. Well, we're going to move on from the depression for you and kind of turn away towards other... Thank you. I can feel the mood change. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the transfer window in Italy. In Germany. Oh, yeah. That's so, you know, positive <laughs> so, as well. much more <laughs> yeah. so I think, um, well, there was, uh, I think, 30, 40 million in, je- in total spent, yeah. right, across Serie A. The record of 9 million, right? Um. Then we're 31. going to talk about... Sorry, one Chelsea one we're going to talk about how, how <laughs> Chelsea, well, have outspent everyone. But in Serie a, there's not been much movement. But which mm-hmm. team do you think has, has possibly done the best business or are kind of the winners from this transfer window?
0: Hmm, it's, it's, it's really hard to pick. You know, as you said, there's not many teams that have done much. But when I was looking earlier, when you sent me the question, I, mm-hmm. I took a look and... The one that kind of I feel like they've done something or they've done what's needed, I would say. I like what Torino have done, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So Torino brought in um, Ivan Illich from Hellas Rona, who I really like. I wanted him yeah. as like a potential rotation option at Inter. And I think, you know, he's Serbian and, you know, he's got that connection with Uric, who's, you know, mm-hmm. with these Balkan players. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've got Ronaldo Vieira from Sampdoria. saw so the other day as well, who was kind of like an up-and-coming talent a few years ago and then he just kind of lost his way in a mm-hmm. in a poor Sampdoria team. So, yeah, Fiorentina did okay, I would say. Like, they brought in Sabiri and Brecquelo as well. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, apart from that, I can't really see like a real winner from this transfer window. What do you guys think?
1: I kind of agree with your Torino shout. I think mm. those the Vieira and um, Illich deals are really, really good. I think Gravelon is a player I've heard of. I've not seen much of, but what I've Former seen... Former
0: inter-youth. He's, youth. he's fairly,
1: <laughs> I feel like he's fairly adept. He's a decent like addition. The only mm. thing for Torino, I was quite surprised they sold Lukic. Now, I know when Premiership mm, money yeah. or Premier League money comes knocking you can very rarely turn it down but i think that could be a big miss for torino but a very good buy for fulham but i think torino are the closest to kind of a team that have done good business adam i think you wanted to throw in someone else
2: yeah i'm gonna put in spezia which probably will be like what the fuck but um Especially when you consider they sold Kivor on a profit, um, they reinforced with likes of Shukovsky as well as Shmorodov, who hasn't had a great spell at Rome, Mm. it has to be said. But that we know there's something in him, the Uzbek Mm -hmm. kind of messy. There's something in him. There's got I didn't realize he was 27, (laughs) I (laughs) I thought he was aged, (laughs) he's aged quite a bit (laughs) in that time, unfortunately. But I do feel like we were talking about Spezia and how they need to reinforce that kind of team at the moment because they just seem like they're spiraling down. and last week if it wasn't for dragovski then they probably would have lost by more a bit like the Salonatana basically style team um but the other one i want to kind of shout out is napoli just purely because they managed to keep their players <laughs> for mm. me that they're like we're talking about italy and their finances generally like the fact that they've been able to keep it and i think they've only bought in likes so of berezinski and golini golini's mm. a weird one on loan that but, is yeah, an odd one siguru went to um fiorentina which was a bizarre one as well in that place because I thought he's like that typical you know late 30s goalkeeper that would just stay and be a backup you know and turn up for one match in a blue moon but yeah Gallini obviously seems to be loving this kind of lone rotation at the moment so he went to Spurs then came back to Italy and then don't know what he's doing but again Berezinski is another classic kind of solid Full back. He can play either side, as proved with the Poland squads. I think he's really good. Underrated at Sampdoria,
1: but we know about Sampdoria as well. But yeah, they're, they're my shouts anyway. Nice. I think that's, yeah, the winners in general, I think that's good. We need to talk about losers. And I think one of them might have already been mentioned, but Sampdoria are looking even more <sighs> in trouble now. There's been rumours that they have to make a certain 10 million euros 10 million. by like, Within 36 hours, otherwise they get a points deduction that will take them well to the bottom of the league if they're not already there. Um, What do we think of Samp this season, Uncle Sharma? It's been it's been coming for a while this season, right?
0: Yeah, no, they've been they've been really bad like, for a few seasons and just escaping relegation just based on their quality, just being slightly better than the other relegation teams. But yeah, this year has just caught up to them. They've got so much drama off the pitch as well, which I, I think mm-hmm. is also contributing to the, uh, yeah, the the drama on the pitch. And then, you know, Deki Stankovic, obviously Inter legend, um, was even briefly linked with Inter when Inter Mm -hmm. was struggling at the beginning of the season. Um, But, yeah, I feel sorry for him. um, I feel like, you remember, like, how Shevchenko came in last season to Genoa. It reminds me of, like, that, like, (laughs) it's an unsavable situation and it's just, you know, not the greatest first, you know, bigger job in europe to take after you know it's yeah just a lot of meh basically when you, when you watch when you watch some doria um i just don't know what their best formation is i don't know you know who their real best player is now like quagliarella obviously is just dusted now unfortunately don't,
1: I do, every time i see him on my screen i like glance i'm like man that guy is still going Fair play. Yeah. It's
0: insane. it's
1: insane <laughs> Nice. So are are there any other teams that you think beyond Sampdory that you think they could have or needed to do more?
0: Yeah, I think uh, AC Milan, I think, you know, they're they're going through the slump and, you know, they have the the new ownership. So you thought, I mean, I don't know if they actually really needed to, but, you know, you would would have thought that they would have done something because they didn't do too much in the summer either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I was surprised to see nothing. And they tried to get Zaniolo, obviously. Um, You know, if you get outbid by Bournemouth, it's... (laughs) Yeah,
1: they may have dodged a bullet and not getting Zaniolo, I think. I think Mm. it's probably not a good idea to throw that into an already not particularly happy dressing room. (laughs) Um, But Adam, who's your team that you think needed to do more and haven't done it? I'm going to agree with Uncle
2: Sharma here and say Milan. Milan were the biggest losers. I think it's been evident that they needed someone to reinvigorate that team. Um, Not just, I mean, just in terms of just a new kind of player bounce bit, but you just need someone with something different to kind of change it up. I think up top... They seem to be very reliant on Giroud to contribute in terms of goals. I know Liao's gone a bit quiet of late, but when you you think about who they can bring off the bench, the Ketler hasn't lit it up. We we've talked about him, mm-hmm. Rebic. We've I, I don't really like the guy. Um, Salamakis is another one that just like doesn't inspire me at all. So I think that's really good news for Uncle Sharma ahead of this weekend. Um, but yeah, if I if I just pick someone randomly different, I'd say maybe Suswalo just because. They obviously clearly had in mind that they were going to sell someone in this window. The fact that they got rid of Hamer which I thought he's been a really underrated player that can play at a bigger club than just Bournemouth. I think he will surprise the Premier League in terms of his standards. And it's a shame that they didn't bring in necessarily someone as exciting. You know, like Atalanta, they'll kind of gamble and go for someone different and maybe That's what they lack. And I I do worry with Sassuolo sometimes. They sell these talents and it takes about nine months before you kind of see the next kind of strength of players coming through. So I I do wonder if they'll get dragged into that bottom of the table fight.
1: But yeah, just for something different, Sassuolo. I also think Kyriakopoulos, uh, Greek names always are difficult, I think could be a bit of a weird one. I thought he (laughs) hasn't been terrible for Sassuolo. I think that could be a kind of good move for Bologna. And again, another player I'm surprised... They kind of let go. I know it's a loan with mm. undoubtedly an, an agreement to buy at the end of the season, but I thought that could be a big miss for Sassuolo too. They are definitely
0: getting dragged into it. Mm. Um, so Bologna, one, by I mean, the way, they now have got two Greek left-backs. So they have Janis, and so now they have Kyriakopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the only two <laughs> Greek people in this area. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're just sticking together, just follow each other around. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So signings that you think could be intriguing or a signing that you think this one's going to surprise people. I'm going to go to Adam. I'm going to go to you first and we'll go to Uncle Sean. Um If I was to pick one, then I think
2: I'm going to go with Luca Pellegrini, um, the left back. He's gone from Juventus to Lazio. I think he's the ideal fit for Lazio in terms of that philosophy, Ball. Um I've always rated him when he's played for Juventus. This is typical of Juventus, you know, they have these youngsters, but never played them, right? But um, I, I think he's got a bright future. I, you know, I'd love to see him at, like, say, Inter, for example, but I don't think he naturally suits that style, unfortunately. But he's someone that I think is up and coming, could make him, like, bigger name potentially forcing way his way even into the italian national side mm-hmm. so i think he's a really good prospect um especially when you think Spinazzola, you, you can't really depend on him unfortunately due to his injury issues as well so maybe that move will kind of do him some good but also potentially in terms of maybe the clubs as well so Juventus mm-hmm. obviously need to balance the books because they will probably get another 20 points of deduction soon so um yes this fingers crossed, will actually fingers happen. Cross. But yes, uh, what about you, Rory? What What do you think is going to be ones to be surprised at?
1: One I'm really excited about, and it could go either way, is Florian Tovan to Udinese. Oh, yes. I think he's an absolute yes. baller move. To get him on a free, someone who was like, I think he had a pretty good record at Marseille, right? He was pretty hmm. good for them. Mm. Went out in Mexico. I can't imagine how fun it is playing football in Mexico. But now coming back, and Udinese, like, obviously, Delefeu is kind of out for the rest of the season, right? He's got serious injuries, mm. that they've had to replace him. Oh, really? Um, I think he's out for a very long time, and that's what they kind of, like, brought him in for. And um, I think he's a, a striker that could really, really be, like... It would be so classic for him to do well at Udinese, I think. They tend to have that <laughs> random player who's kind of looking for... One last job, and I'm excited yeah. to see Tovan kind of tear it up. And said A is the home of, like, old players, right? It's where they all come back and do quite well. So I'm excited about well, that one. he's
0: only 30. He's not that old.
1: I thought he was older than that.
0: I no, thought he was older I'm than just that. Okay. So bad. that
2: basically means he's got another loan move to Watford at some point, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's still got a year in the championship. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Nice. Uh, Uncle Sharma, you're one to keep an eye on.
0: Um... I think I would I'm gonna go for Bairami. So he's going to Sassolo. Um nice. he's another one like um that was you can see his his level is probably a bit higher than uh, than Empoli. So I'm interested to see. Mm. And I think he is like a good replacement for both. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna be which which position he's exactly gonna play in, but you know, both they lost Raspadori in the summer and uh Traore now, so I could feel like he could be a good replacement for either of those on the left Mm. or like behind the striker. So I like it. I like the Barami move. Nice.
1: Okay. And the last one is a signing (laughs) that's definitely going to flop, a signing that is going to be an unmitigated disaster. Again, Adam, I'm going to go to you first.
2: Oh, I don't know, really. I'm going to just put out there, Rolando Vieira, he's not really inspired much at Sampdoria. Uh, he's gone to Torino. It just feels like he's been moved there because they need to shift wages. So I'm just going to say him randomly because I can't think of anyone that's been terrible <laughs> off the top of my head because there's not been many transfers in Italy. Um, that's yeah, that that one does seem a bit random purely because even when I've seen Sampdoria in terms of like who they play on a weekly basis... I don't see his name really being in the first eleven. which mm. when you're talking about Sampdoria and how poor they are, that kind of tells you its own story. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only one that springs to mind. Um, if it was the Oval Winner, then I would have said Harry Winks
1: just because he hasn't found much at <laughs> yeah, Sampdoria Doria no, as well. But, still yeah. Sampdoria. I like
0: it. Um, Uncle Sharma, what do you think? I'm just going to say Tovan just to go against you. <laughs> <laughs> one of us will be right. One of yeah, us will yeah. be
1: right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm, going go I'm going to go Galini. I'm okay. going to go oh. Galini. I'm going to say he gets like a collective five minutes in goal or one cup appearance or something. I feel like we're not really going to see him. So I'm going to say Gallini. Um, But that is the transfer roundup. As you said, not much business in Italy. We do kind of need to talk, though, about the Premier League and compare it to European leagues and where this mm. puts European football. So obviously Chelsea spent more than all the other five <laughs> leagues combined and <laughs> I got very angry about it on Monday's show and we'll continue to get angry <laughs> about it. But where does this leave European football? Where does it leave Serie A? We've seen things uh we've seen I saw a sort of table or a graph released today about Serie A being like the like in terms of followers online and it's marketing, it's like lagging way behind La Liga, mm. Bundesliga, and like barely ahead of Ligue like, 1. So where, what is the state of Serie A and what do they need to do to improve the league and improve its profile? It's a big question, but I'm going to put Uncle Sharma on the spot and say, where the hell do we go <laughs> from here? Because it feels like Serie A is in a bit of a mess at the minute.
0: I mean, I'm not even on the spot because it's something that, you know, I think as Serie A fans, you'd be speaking about for ages. Mm-hmm. Is like, mm-hmm. you need to do this. And it obviously starts from the stadiums, which is not even a Serie A problem. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, they need to change the legislations and like the red tape in Italy, which is, you know, absolutely ridiculous, you know, you've had you've had so many of these foreign owners come in, they try to build a stadium and they just get, you know, told mm. no, we have to check, we have to do this, we have to do that, like, you know the Rome owners, remember Palotta came in, the the previous Rome owners his, his main objective was I'm going to build a stadium in Rome and the guy left without even one brick being put down <laughs> and Comiso's going through the same issues with Fiorentina, like Inter and AC Milan have been trying to bloody Either you know, just renew, renovate the San Siro, or just build a new one, or mm. like, there's still no decision being made. I'm gonna have grandchildren by the time I think a decision is made. It's just um, that's the big issue, first of mm. all. Um, and then, yeah, marketing, as you mentioned, I work in marketing for my day job, and yeah, it's just not good enough what Seria do, like in terms mm. of just amount of content they create and just the quality of the output and English content as well obviously you need to be speaking English some of the
1: stats and the the metrics they put up just make me laugh so much (laughs) like the widest ratio time and something absolute width absolute (laughs) width absolute width width. it's an an absolutely brilliant one it's an (laughs) absolutely brilliant one but it feels it feels a bit mad for a league that has like we were talking about it Adam but it has like the history it has the like the aesthetic it has the huge clubs like Mm. It just feels mad that they're not able to maximize on this more. Like, I feel like the Bundesliga do it a little bit better. It's just that it's dominated by Bayern, so people kind of lose interest. But Serie A also has the competitiveness back. I think it's like the most competitive league in, well, out of all the top five leagues by far. Like, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, I think
2: so. When you look at even the teams that go up from Serie A, B, like the teams aren't struggling as they used to. Mm. Traditionally, it would be like they'd always be in the bottom four basically they're always the teams that come up generally unless they've got really good backers they would mm-hmm. generally be in the bottom four of that table but yeah like you say it's a lot more competitive and i probably allude more to Uncle Sharma's point around the marketing bit and say we haven't got a lot of astute people that kind of do these deals or just generally sell Serie A abroad. Like they don't do a good enough job. So we've got this rumored kind of Morgan Stanley investment of 1 Mm. billion on rights, for example, but it wouldn't surprise me if they don't future proof that deal and just allow Morgan Stanley to just invest it. And then, there's the question of how does that get divvied up by the clubs? So you can imagine some of the big clubs are going to want to have higher royalties, a, a-, a-, a- say, Juventus, who say, mm. yeah, we've got 26,000 subscribers on Sky, therefore we should be getting all of this mm. money. I mean, this is the problem. You've got to make sure it's fair and it's in a structured manner. But also, like Uncle Sharma alluded to, You also have to make sure that money goes to the bottom roots of football in Italy, which we know notoriously is very underdeveloped. The pitches are terrible, stages, one aspect. But just making sure that grassroots, that people are being encouraged to play football a bit more regularly Mm -hmm. so that that new development comes through in Italy. Because you can kind of see it even with the youth team in Italy, that they are sort of starting to pick off, italians that are kind of half half they've been born Mm -hmm. in different countries for example that's not a bad thing by the way but it is just the state of it is at the moment that i think italians are starting to see that struggle where a lot of other nations have gone through that pain so it does need some kind of reorganization localization and You know, it's a typical Italian thing. We're good at moaning about things, but we don't actually get things done, basically. So it could be 10 years before you see that actually come to fruition as well.
1: Yeah, it's something Nestor was talking about this week as well on Bobo TV as well. I think he was talking about how the youth players aren't getting a chance within Italian clubs and how Serie C and Serie D mm-hmm. like does not match to the third and fourth division in England. Like it's not even. I've been to Serie D games and Christ, <laughs> alive, it's, it's <laughs> properly, properly like dog and duck stuff. It's a bit mad. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see what happens with this investment deal and if it can be improved. But I just find. At least the league is entertaining to watch at the moment. I think if it was in this state and it was still being dominated by Juve, it would be particularly, particularly galling. But there is news that they could have an extra points deduction, which is a nice
0: little bonus. Really um, cool. <laughs>
1: what, I'm going to go on Kushan. What do you think the odds are of this? They're saying a 20-point deduction that will put them bottom of the league.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been saying this to Juve fans from the beginning. This, the, the, the capital gains one, they've got the 15 points they've already mm-hmm. got. I was surprised about that one because that one... Yeah, even after reading the um, explanation, I'm not, like, obviously, as an Interfan, I'll be, like, you know, I'm happy and everything, but I just, it's hard to really prove, you know, because there isn't actually a rule around capital gains, yeah. and mm-hmm. so it's, but yeah, the other stuff, like, the, the the wages under the books, under the table, like, that one was clear, like, you know, you're talking about fraud there, you're talking, mm-hmm. like, that's really serious, so. I always said from the beginning, don't worry about these 15 points. Worry about the next ones. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the next one, I yeah. think, is going to be the, the big one. Um, and then, not, then, not, then there's more after that as well.
1: <laughs> well, there's still the Luis Suarez fake passport deal they need to try and <laughs> face at some point, trying to get him national like citizenship by yeah, faking yeah. the test. And it feels well, is like there's still a lot ongoing? of stuff. I think that's still, as far as I'm aware, that's still ongoing. And, like, it's kind of been put on the tab, I think. Mm. Um, but... Well, hopefully, it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see Juventus. I'm sorry, Juve fans, but you know we don't like you. Um, good. So, we need to talk about Serie A preview. And, of course, we've got a huge weekend coming up this week for yourself. It is the Milan derby. How are we feeling ahead of this?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those derbies where, we're like as Inter fans, we can't even like try to make up anything. Because <laughs> the way that Milan are going into this is absolutely you know, it's all lined up for a potential drubbing, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you I mean, I was talking to a Milan fan earlier, like everything is going wrong for them at the moment, it's probably the lowest point for them, you know since, like, it's been like two or three years that they've been going really strongly, they've had like some downs, but not really that much of downs, like this is a real down moment, like they're just getting thrashed left, right and centre um, we just beat them a few weeks ago 3-0 in the Super Cup as well, so yeah. we must be really confident going into this. But at the same time, in derbies, as you guys know, like mm-hmm. form doesn't usually count. Mm-hmm. Like these are the type of one-off games that can revive, potentially this could revive their season if they put up a performance. But as long as they have Tatarusanu in goal, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just hard not to feel confident because you should be, I even said it last year, he saved the penalty on Lautaro, which was mm-hmm. like, we drew that derby, so, you know, he deserves credit for that, but we should be taking shots from anywhere when Tatarusano is in goal. Mm. Like, I think the stat was the Milan fan. I was watching a stream earlier. I think he said they've had 15 shots on goal and 12 of them have been in, 12 of them have turned <laughs> into a goal. So, yeah, basically just shoot, <laughs> just shoot, <guys>. just
1: shoot <laughs> yeah, from anywhere, basically. from anywhere, from anywhere. Well, it's nice. I I think it should be an interesting game because, as you said, Milan, they're gonna like they have to win this. If he loses this, Adam, surely this is purely gone, right? If he loses this one.
2: I think it's very hard for him to stay in the role. But then a nice point that I heard this week is who do they go out and replace him with? Like, I think that's a real kind of dilemma for Maldini and co to kind of work out if they do decide to pull the trigger on Pioli who do they go out and get? I mean, there's been suggestions about maybe Maurizio Sarri. But again, he's done a project at Lazio. It feels like he's quite comfortable chewing his tobacco on the sidelines. (laughs) So I don't think he wants more stress by coming into Milan. But then, you know, if there is kind of prospects of more funding which is clearly what sari is lacking at lazio then potentially he could be tempted with this um and i think you know you've got a right good blend in terms of that squad as in terms of they could play out the sari ball you know played at mm-hmm. high intensity and you know like we can speculate and say ibrahimovic probably will be at the end of his contract in this summer so essentially he'll go Giroud obviously was rumored to be going to Everton and decided to decline that. I wonder why, Um, (laughs) but again-
1: I turned down Everton this week.
2: (laughs) Exactly, I think everyone did. But I think there is elements where you go, okay, there's a few core players that are in their latter stages of their career where once they're freed up off the wage bill, then potentially there's more room for Milan to do stuff in that window. Um, I'd personally like them to go young, young Italian potentially you know like a sutil or someone like that just give them a chance but then I've always been a fan of Ivan Juric as well at Torino I just feel like he could like inspire them in terms of solid manager tactically if he had some like players that he could really t- kind of break those bigger teams I think he could do really well um so yeah, it's up in the air. But then, you know, Milan have tried it in the past, haven't they? They've tried to go older, more wiser p- personnel in terms of managers, and it's not worked out. They've also gone the other way. Gattuso's free. You never know. You, <laughs> you never know. two, <laughs>
0: free. That yeah, would be great driving
1: back in "Yeah, I think I would be great. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it should be an interesting game. I think a lot on the line for Milan. A lot of pressure for Inter because, as you said, they are expected to win. Um, Uncle Sharma, I'm going to push you for a prediction. I'm going to say, right, how do you see it going? Let's go for a score.
0: Uh, I mean, I read that also um, Ben Assers out for them. Oh wow. Um so thanks. He's uh,
1: in my Calcio. Oh, I needed that one. Thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's massive to to the midfield. Mm. Um so but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still not gonna predict a win. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for a draw. I'll go for like, you know, the the spirit of Milan comes through and you know they 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 show some fight and uh, get a one one draw. Um mm. I'll go I'll go for a one-one draw.
1: Nice. Perfect. Well, we also need to look at the other games of the weekend. Adam, do you want to take us through what other games we can look forward to in Serie A? So we have, if we start
2: off with Saturday's game, so a bit of a battle at the bottom, I suppose you could call it. It's Cremonese versus Lecce. Lecce, who have been doing quite well up until recently. So that'd be very interesting. Then we've got at 5pm GMT1. We've got Roma taking on Empoli. Empoli, one of those sides that have been doing quite well. But as we probably allude to, Roma, unfortunately, didn't do so well in the Coppa Italia. They rested Dybala. Could that be the focus this kind of season now, just to do well in the league? And then the late kickoff on Saturday, we've got Sassuolo taking on Atalanta. Very interesting game. I'm looking forward to that. So if you're into defending, do not watch this match because it's not the game for you. It's all about attacking this particular match. Going in Sunday. Before, got sorry, before we go to go Sunday,
1: on. before we go to Sunday, we have to talk Cremonese Roma as well. Cremonese, surely Baladini just has to tell his squad, it's Coppa Italia, guys, it's Coppa Italia. This isn't Serie A; it's a straight knockout. <laughs> what is happening with Cremonese? They've now beaten Napoli and Roma. Now you could say both teams weren't playing their full, completely full strength sides, yeah. but they've beaten two decent Napoli and Roma teams. Can Cremonese win a game, Sharma? Can they win a game this season?
0: I think, yeah, because I think they're the best, like, last place team I think I've seen in this area. Like, they, <laughs> I don't know how they've not won a game. Like, every game mm-hmm. I watched against Juve, like, Juve had to get some jammy last minute winner. Yeah. Uh, even Inter, mm-hmm. like, we struggled just last week against them. Um, you know, they're they're a plucky side and they've got some quality in there, like Okareke, mm-hmm. um, Desa's. Like, you know, they've got some decent players in there. So, I think... um. I think they will get some some wins before the end of the season. <laughs> totally. I really hope for their sake because that is going to be that record will never be beaten
1: if they don't win a <laughs> single game. That record will never be beaten. Nice, Adam. Take us into
2: Sunday. So Sunday we have got Spezia taking on Napoli at eleven thirty. Then we have got Torino versus Udinese, and then in the late kickoffs we've got Fiorentina versus Bologna, and then obviously the Milan Derby. And then on Monday night we have also got. Pelas Verona taking on Lazio and Monza taking on Sampdoria. Monza being another side that is very
1: interesting this season, right? No, they yeah, they're doing a lot better than I thought when I first saw them. We've kind of talked about them a bit on a Monday show, how they're having a bit of a revival. The squad seems to be kicking on. And we do have mm. Salernitana against Juventus. I'm really hoping Salernitana can get a result there, kind of kick Juventus one more time. Well, Sharma, thanks for coming on to the show. We really enjoyed having you on. If our listeners and viewers want to follow you, want to keep up with your stuff, where can they
0: find you? Uh, no, thank you for having me on once again. Always uh, enjoy coming on. Um, yeah, if you want to find me on YouTube, at um, Uncle Sharma and uh, at Sharms with two Zs on uh, Twitter. And uh, Yeah, thank you. And Forza, Serie A and Inter. Exactly. So. Perfect.
1: Thanks, mate. And we will have you on again before the season's out. here we go transfer roundup and it's those are three words that everton fans were desperately waiting to see (laughs) linked to their team on twitter yesterday but it did not arrive sorry everton i know you're going through a lot of shit but we're going to just keep throwing stuff at you for now because it's just you know it's funny i think i hope um and it's time to talk about the premier league transfer window it was utterly mental um, before we get on to Chelsea and them, we need yes. to talk about, you know, the clubs, the winners, the losers, um, who did well, who's not mm. done well, the flops and the intriguing ones. So kind of the headlines really on deadline day. I think Jorginho to Arsenal was definitely a yeah. deadline, like a headline move. <laughs> yep. We have, of course, Enzo Fernandez going to Chelsea in a world record fee. They broke the world record three mm-hmm. times in January, I think. Um, no, uh, and the other headline moves, am I forgetting anybody? Matt Doherty. How could you Matt forget? Bloody so, Doherty. Meant to go on loan,
2: but due to a law which meant that they couldn't loan more than eight players, he had to have his contract terminated to make him move out to Atletico Madrid. And I think he's got the dream scenario. He's out of Spurs and he's at Atletico Madrid getting paid to be a footballer as well.
1: That is such an upwards fall. (laughs) It's insane. And also, I think Spurs have like let, well, now there's a reason why, but they've let go the wrong left back, left back, left back, right back. Right right back, back. technically, yes. Right back. But it's because nobody wanted Emerson Royale, obviously. obviously. Um, but Clearly. I feel like they've let the wrong one go. And this could be... It's a bit of a silly move from Spurs. What do you think? I feel like he's not going to set the world alight, but he's a decent Premier League player. No,
2: I did have a look at the responses to that move on Twitter. And there was a lot of baffled Spurs fans mm. going, like, scratched heads, memes and stuff like that. Like, they couldn't work it out. I think... As well, like considering he was an Arsenal fan in his youth, um, he clearly won over okay. the Spurs fans by just kind of being himself, appreciate he was maybe not at the level of maybe where Spurs desired to be. But I think when you compare him to Emerson Royale, I think he was more of a trusted player in comparison. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they got Poro in, which was the most important thing. That's what they wanted to happen. I think Conte probably would have wanted that to have happened as well. Um, so on the balance of play, yes, they've probably done the right thing in letting him go as well. Because, um, yeah, there's no point having an abundance of right-backs, right? I think that's the big issue you've got. You just accumulate players, a bit like Chelsea, right? So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. It is a real difficult one. But fair play to him for actually going to somewhere like Atletico. Um, I don't know if you saw the conference, um, but he was automatically hounded by Atletico play a negative style. What do you think about this? And he kind of went professionally, when, you know, you can play nicely, but you don't necessarily win all of the time. So I know as a footballer. It's all about winning. And, nice. yeah, fair play to him.
1: Let's see how he does in La Liga. I think he'll do well, definitely. I feel like there's a, there's a real positivity about Irish football at the minute, and this is part of it. Like Doherty going out and playing in a huge club in Spain and getting that, like, Champions League football and doing all that, and I think it could be a really good move for him i'm like really mm. genuinely happy for him the other headline moves uh kind of on deadline day i think it was deadline day western mckinney to leeds i think is a yeah. very very clever signing i think he's a player that obviously has a relationship with um tyler adams at the world cup yes. they were very good together um all they need now is musa who is looking for a move to the premier league so maybe yeah. they could get a, an all-american American. all-american midfield um but I think that's a very clever move. I think we talked about it kind of briefly on Monday. I think where he said, like, where we said, for Juve, they never really found a role for him. They never really managed to fit him in properly. He didn't fit in properly. Yeah. I feel like it leads with someone like Jesse Marsh. I think they could, if they have him in that kind of like number eight kind of role, where he's able to shuttle. I think would yes. be really, really good box for box him. Style, I think. Yeah, box I think-
2: box. I think he would do really well. Offer that bit of quality. I do worry mm-hmm. about Leeds not having m- maybe a striker. I think that was yeah. probably what he wanted to get in. But I think you're right. Weston McKennie can fight for the ball. He can certainly add some quality when it comes to the final third as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not afraid to be on the score sheet himself. So he will be there contributing, I think. And yeah, we'll wait and see. I think there's still a lot of doubters about Marsh and his style because I think they're still hung over by ball, to be fair. So I think that's the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> that He's not sat on his
1: bucket, basically. So. Yeah, yeah, get back on your bucket. Um, Another transfer that we were, we kind of talked about it with Uncle Sharma, but now we're talking about it from a Premier League perspective. Uh, Sasa Lukic to yeah. Fulham. Adam, what do you think of this one? I'm really excited about this one.
2: Yeah, as you alluded to, I think that's going to be a big miss for Torino. He added goals, solid midfielder. I was gutted that we didn't see much of him at the World Cup, but certainly from a Torino mm-hmm. point of view, he plays really well. It's interesting that you know Fulham have taken this approach as well because they are kind of near the cusp of the European spots as well. So is this the push to get them cemented into a Europa League spot now? Um, he certainly at, mm-hmm. like ticks a lot of the boxes. He's going to fight for the ball. He's a typical Marco Silva man as well. I think he will fit in really well into the Premier League um yeah Rory what about you what what do you think about him
1: I'm really excited about him I think this is such a yeah it's a very like ambitious move from Fulham where they're not like because I think you could you could expect them to be like okay let's not change anything we're seventh this is going really well let's see what happens but they're like no we can actually we're looking at sixth we're looking at fifth Mm. and we're going if we are clever here we can push and for them to come this is their first season back in the Premier League, right? They got promoted last year. Yeah. yeah. For them to go straight, well, where they are now is incredible. But if they somehow yes. went straight into Europe, that would be like, you know, I think like Ipswich will have teams to do yeah. that maybe, if you know what I mean. Like it would be a genuinely incredible season or even more incredible season. I think Sasha Lukic, you're right. He's really like, he's, he's able to find the goal. He's like full of energy, very technical, like very like physical. So I think the Premier League isn't going to be a thing where he's like, I think the physicality of the Premier League gets overplayed, but it is a physical league. It will be like, it's not something he'll struggle with. I think he's just a very, very clever signing and Mm, they've done very well to bring him in. Um, Elsewhere, we wanted to kind of, I don't want to talk about them yet because we're going to get onto them. So I'm going to say another signing I wanted to talk about on deadline day was, where's it gone? Hamed Traore at Bournemouth. Yes, let's do that. Hamed Traore, you were talking about yes. him with Uncle Sharma. What can we expect from him?
2: High energy. I think he'll add a lot of quality. I'm I, I maybe a bit surprised that only Bournemouth went in for him, if that makes sense, mm. uh, given the fee as well. So it's rumoured to be around 25 million plus add ons, which again might accumulate to up to 35 mil as a total fee. I think that's a real. Good bit of business by Bournemouth. Certainly cements them in terms of like being in the Premier League. Definitely, I feel like he's going to add that bit of qual- a bit like Sasa uh, Lukic, where we we're saying he's going to contribute in terms of goals, but also do the tracking back. I think he he's very much under the radar. He did a really good job as a Swallow. One of those that we've we've said, and I said it. I think he could have played for an even better side, potentially, like an Inter or someone like that on his day. He has got the qualities. Um, what about you? I mean, you've seen him probably more closely than myself. But, I mean, again, you probably rate him as well.
1: Yeah, I think we know that great players, a lot of very good players, a lot of great players come out of Sassuolo. I think he's a, a player that, as you mm-hmm. kind of said, if Serie had had more money <laughs> swimming yeah. around it, he may have stayed in the league. But as we're seeing the Premier League just hoovers up all the talent at yeah. the moment. Bournemouth, we're going to talk about them. I want to talk about them. They have had a very, very, very good window. I think mm-hmm. they've like really their recruitment has been on point. And this is something that this is one of them where I'm like, ah, you've you know what you you know what you need, and yeah. you've gone for players that even if you do go down. They're more than capable of getting you straight back out yeah. of the league again, and they're going to be willing to stay with you and get back into the mm. the Premier League. Very, very clever signing. I like Traore a lot. For the most random mental signing of the day, it has to be five times Champions League winner Keylor Navas <laughs> signing <laughs> yeah. at Nottingham Forest. As Now, what confuses me is Dean Henderson has had a very good season for he has, um, yeah. Forest. He's been very, very good. Are they aware that they can only play one goalkeeper? That's my question. Because I feel like well, now, mm. what happens?
2: We did speculate on our WhatsApp group that he might have, and this is Steve Cooper, might have taken some advice from Stuart Pierce, who famously played David James out of goal, and thought, hmm, maybe I could do it this time round. You never know.
1: You never know. I don't know. It can't fail again, surely. <laughs> this time it has to work. Um, yeah, maybe he sees a target man there. I'm not sure. It's an interesting one. I think Keylor Navas maybe with their eye on next season. Maybe with their eye yes. on like yeah. you know Henderson is going to go back to United. They need a keeper. United are going to be doing everything to keep hold Defenderson, Henderson. I would think exactly. rather than going out and buying another one. So yeah, I think maybe kind of and having someone with that much experience maybe not in relegation battles but having that much experience in winning games is going to be exactly. so key around the dressing room and someone for them to be like holy crap this guy has been like at the top of the game exactly, right? He's exactly. been one of part of one of the greatest teams of all time like i think it's a very random incredibly random but very Nice but then sign. I was going to also like add,
2: it. potentially, do we feel that maybe he's been brought in because there might be a little niggle with Dean Henderson, hence why he's not mm-hmm. really trusting Wayne Hennessy, as we saw in the EFL Cup. So potentially, maybe this mm-hmm. is a bit of shrewd signing by Forrest. They did have to balance the books, it has to be yeah. said. And, you know, they had to sell a few of the players that they signed in the summer. They had to move on. Surprise, surprise. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's a really good good signing. Some of his experience and calibre, mm-hmm. I think, will inspire the others to maybe up their game a bit more. And certainly, you know, you don't want a shouting Navas behind you, as uh, I'm sure the uh, Nottingham Forest defenders
1: will find out shortly. Right? They are looking at their track record in the league so far. They will definitely be finding out what he sounds like when he shouts. Um, but we are going to look at the window. We're going to start our first category with the window winners. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I've kind of said who I'm I'm going to say, so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth have done incredibly well this window. Um, I think what they've done, as I said, brought in players who who are more than good enough to keep them up, but also definitely good enough to get them out of the league should they go down so they've got dango watara who's joined from Lorient, who are chasing the um europe in league mm. like when you look at how some of the players some of these clubs are able to um attract is genuinely yeah. incredible um but he has been outstanding in an incredible Lorient team um he is only 20 years old a player with a lot of promise and i think this is a guy you can definitely Definitely be keeping an eye out on right winger, lots of pace, really technical player, very like direct, lots of attacking threats. Super excited about him. Um, a kind of under the radar one again, Darren Randolph from West Ham is yeah. like a good sub goalkeeper, very good mm-hmm. Premier League goalkeeper. Again, mm-hmm. lots of experience. Someone that I think, like, friend of the show, Tom West Ham fan, never really has a bad word to say about Randolph yeah. whenever he's been called on, being very, very good. The player that all football manager. Players will be very excited about, and we've all tried to sign him. I have signed him, he's fantastic. Ilya Zabanyi, the center back from Ukraine, signed from Dynamo Kiev for 20 more 24 million pounds. Mm. This guy, his ceiling is ridiculously high. Um, I think for a center back, he's like just one of those great ball-playing defenders, really good with his feet, but physical, tall able to dominate the air, dominate the like the game. I think this is a very, very clever signing. And in my FM save, he was fantastic for me for Arsenal. <laughs> he cost me a fortune. He cost me more than 24 million pounds, I'll tell All you right, that. Okay. So <laughs> Bournemouth have definitely got a bargain. But this is someone that I think, again, we're going to be looking and going like, Bournemouth this year, they've been shipping a lot of goals. They have had trouble kind of, you know, um, yeah, keeping it tight at the back. Again, yeah. he's a young player, so it's going to take time. But I think with an eye on the future and with, even with an eye at the second half of the season, I think he could step in and just kind of like, he, he, we Lossom, could see him yeah. smoothly take over and just mm. kind of find his feet in the Premier League. I'm really excited about this signing for Bournemouth fans. Um, I just think they've done really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Antoine Semenyo from Bristol City. They've brought in for £10.5 million. Pounds. Really good um, for Bristol City this season in yeah. the Championship. Um, have you seen much of this guy? Semenyo, yeah, I've seen a few times. Um,
2: solid enough striker, agile on his feet. He's your typical modern-day forward, I suppose, mm-hmm. in that respect, being tall but strong on the ball. Um, I wouldn't necessarily kind of put him in the same ilk as like an awesome man, but certainly mm-hmm. he's got that kind of stature about him. I think okay. that, that's what they've been potentially lacking. Uh, nice. I know uh, people were talking about Kiefer Moore and how much of an impact he's had for Bournemouth this season. Um, he's not a bad player, but I don't think um, he's much of an upgrade in that sense. So I think Semenya will definitely do that for Bournemouth. I think he will add a bit more threat. And bear in mind, they've had to rely on the likes of Anthony Jaden, for example, Jaden Anthony, even, sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an up and coming player. Um, he'll get stronger as the season goes on. And yeah, it does feel like when you mention about Bournemouth and their kind of business, I was thinking they've clearly got an eye on that kind of financial model of potentially getting them grounded at that level. And if they perform really well, they sell them on at a profit. Mm-hmm. And I think that is basically what they've done with all the signings that they've made so far in this window. So with the exception of Randolph, obviously with the um, exception they- <laughs> of Randolph.
1: Yeah. But still a very astute yes. signing, I think. Exactly. Um, nice. So they are my window winners, maybe a bit of an outside shout, but come back to me later when I've been proven wrong, Adam, who are your window winners? <laughs>
2: Um, there's only one team for me and that is Arsenal Um, I think they have been very shrewd in the market it's fair to say they probably didn't necessarily get their first picks every time because obviously (laughs) Modric was one of them basically Um, and Moses Casado seems like he was another But they did do some really fascinating um, transfer business. You know, Jakub Kivor, for me, is a real good sign of a player that is going to just get better and better under the tutelage of Arteta. Um, You even uh, WhatsApped me about his uh, running speeds, which was incredible, the fact that he's outdone Theo Walcott. Um, that which was, that
1: record has stood since yes. 2015. His 40-yard sprint record. Apparently, he's broken the record for. Now, I'm going to say there was an agility test, and he's broken the record for the jumping reach or something. He's yeah. like today in his physical, like when they've or when they've done the physical with him, mm. he's broken a load of records. All the Arsenal fans are suddenly going, "Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay, nice. Right, yeah, I'm excited exactly. about this guy."
2: Exactly. Well, we've been, you've been
1: talking about him for a while, so I'm i I have, uh, and
2: we've got the little video on YouTube. So if anyone wants yep. to see my preview on that, feel free. Um, but yeah, he's he's a player that is just going to get better and better, and people mm. will be kicking themselves that they didn't try and go in for a bid for him because 25 million is a bit of a snip. I have, to, mm. I can't, I can't believe it was only 25 million. A bit like this kind of Dynamo Kiev player, I just yeah, incredible yeah. from my point of view. And he will, he's just got all the attributes. He's mm-hmm. he can play with his feet, he's left footed, he's obviously forward facing when it comes to like his attacks as well. He can do the long balls, he can do running with the balls. I, I think he's got the overall game. He, he does need to mature still. There is elements of his concentration, lapse of concentration at times, but that will get better in time. So, yeah, but then if I talk about the other two signings, Trossard and then obviously Jorginho as well. Trossard, I think, very good season so far. Obviously, towards the end of his time at Brighton, obviously, for whatever reason, he didn't have a good relationship with Deserby. But again, he's a player that you do want to bring off the bench at times. I think he will add that bit of quality. And so far, I mean, it's very early to kind of say what impact he's going to have but certainly I think if you're talking about what the depth will be now at Arsenal that's the kind of standard you've Mm -hmm. kind of alluded to and Jorginho you know I think for like even a six-month gap if you want to call it that I think he's going to help maintain the levels offer that kind of I suppose fight in that midfield but He's been good at his role at Chelsea for years. He's done it at Napoli. Um, Just don't get him to do any of your penalties, Rory. That's all I can say. No, just for the love of God,
1: let's just keep (laughs) Saka on penalties, please. Keep Saka on penalties. I can't be doing with that nonsense. I think Giorgino is a really interesting one. It's a really interesting one because Arteta has wanted him for a very long time. He tried Mm. to sign him. He was trying to get Pep to sign him at City. And then he was trying to sign him... um, When he first came to Arsenal, he said, I want Jorginho when they went pablo mari online like, <laughs> yeah. so it's kind Not of like same. it wasn't really but he's a player that arteta has talked about a lot in the past as well and um, Gunnar blog who's just a fantastic um arsenal kind of journalist um he was talking uh, he found an extract from an interview and arteta was talking about his philosophy in football and what he wants from his midfielders and the example he used was jorginho he said yeah. this is the player this is the role i want they tried to get him from napoli and i think what we've done very well is the the backup as you said we didn't get our first targets right we don't get mudrick which i was i was slash am very annoyed about i was like damn Mm. i really wanted him even that cameo for chelsea against liverpool i was like frig, this guy's really good i really wish we got him but then you look at trossard coming on against united and he was unbelievable he was fantastic managed to keep the ball gave that like The way he keeps the ball, his touch is incredible. Mm. So I think what we've done really well is gone, okay, it doesn't matter necessarily if we don't get our first target. Obviously, that's who we want. But we already have a plan for someone else who can do the job as well Mm. or just about as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that is what, like, Arsenal Twitter obviously is like uh, as reactionary, if not more reactionary (laughs) than every other football fan Twitter. But yeah. um, there was a lot of Arsenal fans being like, Jorginho, because it's not the shiny toy that's 60 million and that, that's yeah, what people of want, right? I honestly, when I saw the rumours, I was like, yes. Good. Yeah. Okay. Perfectly sensible deal. That is absolutely sensible. That is the player that we need. And I thought on Monday, I was like, oh, he can't really tackle. And I looked and I did a bit of research. I was like, is that fair? His defensive work is fantastic. His yes. attacking output isn't that great because that's not what he does. He doesn't do those yeah, exactly. kill- like he does the killer through balls every so often. But what he mainly does is that metronome ticking over, keeping the possession, keeping the ball yeah, moving. Exactly. But his defensive output is fantastic, and he mm. can do that at times. He doesn't have pace that does worry me, but at times he can do that defensive midfield shuttle job on his own and just cancel yeah. out, cancel out attacks and keep- and I think as terms of like. If we have to, and I hope we do at some point, move on from Thomas Partey, because I am increasingly uncomfortable with him being in the team, um, especially in light of the Greenwood r- stories today. It yes. just definitely makes yeah. me feel even more, even even more reminds me how disgusting it is Partey's playing for Arsenal. If we have to get past him, mm. Jorginho is not a, not a bad replacement at all. Exactly. Um, so I think it's a very, very good replacement, very intelligent business. I'm happy to take the winners. And also... We just need something to get through us to get us through the next exactly. Season. I don't care beyond that. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't care beyond that. It's a one and a half year contract. Option for another year. If we'd done a Willie Ann and offered him four years and been like, right? Well, exactly. Just- That's I think. It. The, the length of contract has shown that we've not, like, what, once bitten twice shy. You're like, ah, oh, not again. We're not exactly. doing that again. So and as you allude funny. to,
2: I think he'll probably pulse him in and out of particular mm-hmm. games. So I don't think yeah. he'll be necessarily suited for a midfield that's going to be full of energy, for example. Yeah, yeah. But he can obviously sit there and certain matches where there's probably less of a attacking threat. He can just sit there, mope up, and then carry on and do you know what even for the big games there will be occasions where you just need that bit of experience potentially on those European nights that's going to be critical so you know even if we're not talking about you winning the title Champions League is definitely Mm -hmm. there for next season so again I think he's going to be critical for that kind of experience anyway that's for sure
1: no, definitely. And just last thing on, also, I think our bench now, if you look at our bench compared mm. to like a year ago, it's suddenly looking very, very good. We Night got, and day. Like, Kieran Tierney, Kivior, uh, Tommy Asu, you got Smith Rowe, you got Vieira. Like, all of a sudden, the bench is looking, you're like, okay, Trossard, and you're like, yeah, oh, exactly. okay, this is where we needed to get to, where... For so long, I've been looking at the bench and, oh, and trying not to look at the bench when the Arsenal line <laughs> comes up. So I'm like, Christ, we've got one plan here, and that's it. Exactly. And now it feels like, okay, we've got that depth. Maybe we can do the Europa League, Premier League, Europa League, Premier League thing and mm. not completely collapse. And I think that was all that mattered for us on this window is get the depth. Just get yes. that depth so that we can rotate because what we're seeing at United is that he's not able to rotate, and that's going to come back and bite him in the office. Yes, exactly. Because they cannot rotate players but we're going to move on from the window winners and we're going to go to the window losers we're going to have to fight over who says it first Everton uh no sorry (laughs) uh is there before we get on to Everton is there another team you want to throw their name into the hat of like the losers
2: yeah I I was debating about Everton being one of them but the second one is Liverpool their rivals I I genuinely feel like you you already see it on Twitter etc how Negative, they are feeling about their club at the moment, especially it doesn't help by the kind of form that they're in. But certainly, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of future thinking with their signings at the moment. I know they've got Gapco, good player, but unfortunately, I don't know if he necessarily solves the problems that are there for Liverpool. Not now. I think he doesn't solve exactly, it now. exactly. And there's, there's a number of positions, but the main one that Liverpool fans have been crying out for is something of a replacement for the likes of Henderson, the likes of Milner, for example, even Tiago, because they can see the value of Tiago, but at the same time, his legs aren't there. Clearly, no. he, that's why Bayern got rid of him. And I, I think even at the time when he did make the move, I thought it was a bit of a weird one because I didn't think if you're Bayern Munich, you don't generally tend to move these players on unless there's a reason. That, mm-hmm. That's the thing. And for me, I just feel like, yeah, I think Klopp got sold on this idea that he fits the philosophy. Uh, And, and yeah, I feel like Klopp's almost lost his way in the market as well. I don't know what you feel about this, but certainly there's one element to say that he hasn't had the backing, right? But the second point is if you get the backing, you want to make sure that they're the right types of fits for your squad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, I just don't know where they kind of fit. Even when we're talking about the summer, like, Darwin Nunes. I mean, I don't know what necessarily he solves. I think there's a good player in him in him. And it's going to take a summer or two before you get the best out of him. But again, when you're talking about Klopp Star, he's always bought players that are ready to fit into his moulds. What what do you think anyway?
1: I think, yeah, Nunes is an interesting one. I think, again, I'm still fighting his corner. I think his goal record actually yeah. isn't that bad. And people like football, obviously, is turning into a meme contest of like, yeah, if you've exactly. got horrific misses, which he does have, instantly you're like the biggest flop because you've not like... Exactly. I think we all need a bit more perspective in football. But yeah. I think he's actually not been that bad. I think, again, this Liverpool team, they're going through such a massive transition. and But I think the players they brought in, in two years will go, ah, that's why they did it, that's clever. It's just for right now, it does look pretty grim. They could have gone for the midfield. They could have reinforced the midfield. They should have. Actually, they should have. I don't know if they could have. Um, And they're definitely, like we said before, putting all their eggs in the Bellingham basket. I think Liverpool definitely... They're missing out on Europe next year, right? I think that's all. I think
2: so. And you could have got... I mean, we're saying that they couldn't have got the players... We're not saying Amrabat could have couldn't have done a business like for that I midfield. I genuinely Anahi, think are Though I
1: genuinely think they're skin.
2: I think they are but, like mm, properly I, skin. I, I, I get that. I definitely get that. I think the fact that it's thirty five million wasn't it on Gakpo, mm-hmm. and they said that was it. That was their business yeah, yeah. done. But when I look at the transfers that were done, so Anahi, for example, a player that we did rate in this World Cup. I think he has a lot to offer. He kind of fits that build of young, exciting yeah, midfielder, yeah, yeah. right? Are we saying that he's not an upgrade on, say, Milner, for example? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would have yeah. said he adds energy to that midfield. Um, and he's probably a bit stronger than Harvey Elliott, right? Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. think he would have been a nice player. But Amrabat as well, I think you saying we couldn't have got like some sort of a negotiation with yeah. Fiorentina to say here's 20 million maybe an extra 10 million added on if he does x amount of appearances for yeah. example and he's someone that maybe not necessarily would be on the first team sheet every week but he does do a job over mm-hmm. the three years for example yeah, so yeah, again yeah. that that's the thing i think they lacked the foresight is it's not necessarily about exciting players it's about players that do a certain role. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's what they're missing. Um, you know, that's the same philosophy with Spurs right now. They're trying to get these exciting yeah. talents, but not necessarily the players that maybe fit their system.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think Liverpool are so data driven and so specific yeah. with the players that they target. Like when they they do like, there's clubs that just throw darts at a board. <laughs> we know who we're talking <laughs> exactly. about, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liverpool are, like, the exact opposite. I think they are very targeted. They're very, like, with their transfers, you never really know they're happening until mm. they happen. They're very, like, even the Gakpo one, it was like, he's at United, and it was like, he's at Liverpool. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Mane, every, all of them, they kind of come from nowhere, and it's just done. And it's the exact player they want. And it's got them the success. They've won the Mm -hmm. Premier League. They've won the Champions League. It's got them success. So I understand how they're going to go, well, this is what what we've done. This is what we'll continue to do. Obviously, they've lost their head of recruitment and that's been like a huge thing. There has Mm. been a drop-off in the quality of players brought in since. But I think it's kind of very much Liverpool's modus operandi that's what yeah. they've done over the past few seasons is targeted not just panicking and not just to be gone no we need that exact player because he does this exact job and he can do this and he's got asthma and that's why we're bringing him in no <laughs> um but i think that is like they've been very very good in the market like that but i can understand how liverpool fans were yeah. fuming because this season is looking like a bit of a waste at the moment mm-hmm. <clears throat> the other losers sorry guys i've been teaching like six hours today and my voice is definitely good um the other losers are across Stanley Park. Of course, Everton, they managed to call up every single free agent, tried to get everybody involved. They have but good news, they have made a 45 million pound profit this window. So that That's will across. keep the Everton yeah. fans warm at night, I think. <laughs> um Everton. <laughs> Has Sean Dice already been let down?
2: I think it was always going to be difficult when you bring him in just as the window is going Mm. to be shut. I think um, there's been a lot of talk about did Newcastle do this tactically in terms of like in the sense of like obviously making this bid this late in the window, knowing they probably had it in the back of their minds that they were going to sign him. But they've done it in such a way that made sure that no one else could bid for him but also leave Everton with a really shitty situation, which was, what do we do now? Like, how do we invest this now into the playing squad? And I think this is a problem. When you make that decision to sack a manager, you should have probably had it in the back of your mind. There's not a lot of days left till the window actually shuts. So they should have, in my head anyway, should have had that replacement lined up straight away. A bit like when Daniel Levy pulled out Mourinho so quickly at the time you kind of want to make sure that you've got or at least supporting your manager as best as you can Mm -hmm. but also if you if you think about the results that everton had you've had probably the best part of three weeks to make that decision and you're kind of thinking well why did you dwell so long like you could see the writing was on the wall right so i think a lot of the fans felt the same way about the playing style as well it's a terrible decision in terms of the board but also i don't blame dice i i think he's kind of knew what he was bringing himself in for um and i think he's just going to play it the burnley way which is get the best out of these players and you could see already he's doing bleep tests with the players in january which is a bit like right i think he's gonna shake them up and uh, make them work harder than they probably ever worked in the last five seasons perhaps you know I think that's what we're talking about because players have been accumulated over that period of time as well so let's see what he can get out of a tune but don't forget I think it's not necessarily a bad thing that he doesn't bring in players because it's all about the impacts of those players and I think Sean Dyche has a clear identity of what he wants to achieve and instill into this squad so I think buy-in of the initial players gives them six months to kind of prove their worth And again, Deich will have possibly January or summer window next to kind of maybe revamp that squad. So not necessarily a bad thing, but that's why I've kind of edged for Liverpool instead Mm. of being the losers in this window.
1: Fair. Yeah, sorry, Toffees. I really hope it goes well for you, but just after this weekend, because I cannot face us only losing to you and United. Good. We will see how it goes. Sean Dyche is going to be so up for that one, but I think the the (laughs) atmosphere at Goodison Park is going to have to be rocking, and I just don't think it's going to be, even with a new manager. If they brought new players in and there was a bit of... I just don't. I feel like it's going to be a poisonous atmosphere, not an excited atmosphere. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but we need to move on to the next category, which is the intriguing slash under the radar transfers—ones that we're excited about that maybe people weren't looking at. What have you mm. got for us? We've
2: we've already mentioned a few already, but I'm going to go with uh, Marcel Sabitzer from, nice. obviously, Bayern Munich. I think. We're talking about Liverpool and what they could have done. Look, Marcel Sabitzer yep. on alone could have been an ideal kind of midfielder, but Man United. I think that's the intriguing bit is that they did that business on the last day yeah, of the window, yeah, yeah. and they kept that under wraps as well. So clearly, they kind of tried to prolong the wait in terms of making that decision on the basis of Ericsson's injury as well. Um, but I think he's a really clever player. And if he can prove himself in that six-month period, then Man United are all over that. They're going to obviously help Man City's funds in the process if they decide to uh, cash in on Cancelo in the process as well, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bitter sweet experience, I suppose, for Man United fans. But they are getting a really good player. I think Andy was definitely purring at that prospect. Um, based on the fact that they were also rumored to go in for James Ward prowse at the time, which we, we kind of that would went, have been an interesting that would have been one, an interesting one, especially on free kick duties and corners, yeah. right? Another Beckham on the cusp. But <laughs> yeah, uh will score goals. I think he adds a bit more of a different dynamic to that midfield.
1: Um what what's your thoughts initially on him? Um I think yeah he was like <sighs> Like they're always the lazy pundits, like oh, he can't get a game at Bayern. How is he meant to come? (laughs) Yeah, have you seen Bayern's midfield? Have you have you taken a slight? Well, I'm Paul Merson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Paul, but sometimes he drops genuinely. You're like, oh, you know what you're talking about. Then sometimes you're like, what the frig are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, Goretzka and Kimmich are both very, very good players. In case you've not watched them, and Clinton Morrison, who I think is a very good pundit, I really like him, made that point and was like, no, have you seen Bayern's midfield, man? Like, be quiet. This guy needs to this guy needs to be like he, he's a very good player he was killing it at rb leipzig was like smashing it in the champions league absolutely loves a howitzer from like 40 yards mm. just smashes it top corner yeah. i i said in our group chat i'm glad we've played united twice now already yeah. like i'm glad it's just out of the way because i could see him absolutely ping one top corner against us i think it's a very clever signing and yeah something that they could turn permanent that if he does well it's another cog in the machine it's like right There's another piece. There's a step up in quality. It's a step up from McTominay. It's a step up from Fred, whatever it is. It's just another kind of little level up. And I think a bit more quality and experience Mm. and for United depth because they do not have depth. So I think it was vital, vital Mm. for them to do that business. Ericsson out for a while that yes. is they needed to replace him they needed to replace mm-hmm. him i think this is kind of as good as a replacement as they could have got um but my intriguing signing the one to keep an eye on is definitely mislav Orsic at southampton yeah. i think this is going to be a really interesting one because it could either be absolutely dog shit
2: or <laughs> a stroke of
1: genius i think it's like there's no middle yeah. ground and i think yeah very true he's a player that in the europa league and in Champions League. I want to say he scored against Chelsea, scored against West Ham, he scored against Tottenham. Um, mm. He loves scoring against London teams. I'm pretty sure he scored against Arsenal at some point. Um, and he's a striker that's been smashing it in Dinamo Zagreb for a while. Um, and I'm just really, I'm really excited to see how it goes because I think Southampton. Like, I really like Shea Adams. I really, I think it's like there's a player there. There is a player there, but obviously they just need someone to help him. They need someone with a yeah. bit more like just another option. I think he's not exactly, he's not a similar, he's not really a similar player to Shea Adams. I think he's a little bit quicker than Adams. I think he's a bit more like, mm. he, he's not like Shea Adams, I feel is a bit like quite physical and like yeah, holds the be, ball yeah. up. I think also is a bit more like direct. Um. So I think it's a really, yeah, I'm excited to see how the signing goes. And I think Southampton need the attacking. Um, Definitely. Um, uh, threat. I've forgotten the word. Yeah, threat. Exactly. That, that, yeah, mm. that'll do. Yeah, attacking threat. Um, <laughs> they need that to keep them up. So I think it'll be an interesting signing for them. That's my one to keep the eye uh, to keep definitely. an eye on. In terms of flops, let's do oh. flops.
2: Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to kind of steal your thunder um cuz uh, I think we both agree on this one and it's definitely Xiao Felix from Chelsea. I think when he came in at the time, I was like, where does he fit into this philosophy? And I, I, it doesn't feel like a Graham Potter signing at the time. I None mean, of them do. None of them no, are. Of course they don't. None of
1: them do. <laughs> but it's clearly, schizophrenic. I don't know what it would be because there is no plan to any of it. And he proved his worth in the first game
2: against Fulham. So um, yep. he showed them what he can contribute in that sense. So um, there's definitely no doubts about his ability. There's a player to be unearthed mm-hmm. there, but I, I didn't really get what he actually adds in terms of that quality, in terms of that Chelsea midfield. And the fact that they let Jorginho you know, go and potentially make way for the likes of him and mm-hmm. Enzo Fernandez, right? Um doesn't feel like a real upgrade as such. I, I do feel I wonder if it's they're going one step forward, two steps back with this approach. Um what what did you make of that signing
1: at the time? Um Zhao Felix, I yeah. think it was a very like would I have been happy if Arsenal got him? I think I would have been quite happy if we got him, if I'm totally honest. I would have been like, Okay, yeah, nice. No, that is a yeah, nice yeah. signing. But we are a currently touch one. We are a team that is functioning and is kind of fairly... We have a clear idea. I think he fits in our system. With Chelsea, they needed a striker. They've always needed a striker. Kai Havertz isn't a striker. (laughs) Neither is Joao Felix. He's not the striker that Simeone wanted. He couldn't make him into that player. He's the number 10. He can play left and right. He can float around very, very good player. But I think what we're going to see is that he needs time to get into the league. Against Fulham, he did look good. He looked threatening. There was moments where I was like, okay, this guy, like, you can see he's a quality player. But I just think a six-month loan isn't enough for him to make a difference in that team. Yeah, And I think what you've basically got is another Kai Havertz.
2: Yeah, exactly. And
1: it just feels like, as Chelsea were across this window... It was just stealing other kids' toys. It was like someone wants him, we'll have him. Someone wants him, we'll have him. And there's no real like how many wingers can a team have? I think
2: exactly.
1: When I when I look at that Chelsea squad now, and they've still got Hudson Adoy, right? They've still got Loftus Cheek. They've still got like there's just so much, so many players at that club, like so many. And then they bring in like Amari Hutchinson from Arsenal and they bring in Chuck from Villa and they like just hoovering up players. But there's no plan to it. There's no No. like, this is right, this is what we're trying to do. And I think what's actually happening is Todd Bowley is pissing a lot of people off. And like there was (laughs) again, Gunner Blog was talking about how some owners of Premier League clubs have been complaining to the Premier League and saying, look, you can't conduct business this way. Yeah, like exactly. this, is, we all know that FFPs can joke and it's not worth the paper mm. it's written on, but please yeah. take a look at this. And now they've really pissed off PSG because they have mm. failed three times to send the correct paperwork. And the thing is the first time is an accident. The second time is you being a prick. The third time is you're yeah. doing it on purpose. There's no way you do that three times by accident. And I think what happens is when you start annoying club owners and you start shafting over people, he'll find out it's not the nfl it's not the nfl it is not exactly. a boys club it's not a closed group you don't have to like literally pay for entry clubs will refuse to do business with you like yeah. in the nfl you could only deal with 32 teams you have no choice right exactly. like in if clubs find you difficult to work with that's why arsenal stopped pushing for Caicedo because brighton mm-hmm. said we told you we're not selling him okay right we've tried fair play we'll come yeah. back in the summer Right, you have to conduct yourself properly, and if you start pissing off teams, they will just refuse to do business with you. And I think Todd Bowley is pissing people off, not just me, but people in power, right? People (laughs) who actually make a difference. But I think again, like if you look at objectively the Enzo Fernandez deal, right? A player that Benfica signed for for ten million six months ago, right? A player who at the World Cup was good, wasn't near Player of the Tournament wasn't no. near team of the tournament i don't think he was in team of the tournament I, off the top of my head um it wasn't an out like a just a good player now they've ben Fieker have done incredibly well because i said no of pay the release, f- yeah. f- f- pay Passively. the release fee or you're not having him which is very good business yeah. but it, again it just feels like there's oh well there's no like there's no thought behind it it's just okay we'll pay it yeah we'll pay it and what is? I sent the tweet on the WhatsApp group where it was, yeah. Um, and it, I, I've got to get the guy's name because he absolutely nails it. And he says it's like someone walking into DFS and being amazed, <laughs> yes. being amazed that they've just that they own twenty five so <laughs> because they've not had to pay a penny. But then, in two years' time, they're going to be in crippling debt because they've not <laughs> like they've they've got to pay it all off. He like says someone who's just discovered interest free credit who is at ugly game. Chelsea are not cheating. They just have an owner who thinks he's a genius because he's discovered interest-free credit. It's like Todd Bowley went to DFS one weekend and God, stop telling people how he (laughs) owns 25 sofas with not a penny to pay for two years. And he's absolutely right. I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see this down the road. It's going to come back and bite Chelsea in the arse. We're going to have to be patient, but it's going to be so glorious when it happens because we're all going to go. Told you so. We told you. We told you this is not how you do it. But we'll see how Enzo Fernandez does. We'll see how he does. I think he could actually be very good in the midfield. I think he will. Yeah. And it will be a, a signing where they'll go, oh, no, that was, a, that was a good signing, even if you did pay massively over the odds and you fucked the transfer market for everyone else for the next five years. Yes, like, definitely. I, I think it's, yeah. Paying no, more back. than the top five leagues combined cannot be a good thing. Cannot be nothing, exactly there you go. Enough. Two Chelsea rants in a week, uh, they are definitely in my head rent free. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. Um, nice. So that is, oh, I've not done my flop yet, have I? Flops. Um, I'm gonna go for, um, do I go for a Spurs one just to be bad? Go no, for no. it, go on. Um, Dan Juma. Okay, I'm going to say Dan Jumat. I know he scored. Um, he got his first goal in the... Was it the Cup? It it's again. FA
2: Cup against Preston. Um, against Preston, he did get the first goal. One name that we did speak offline, uh, just quickly, Danny Ings to West Ham. Oh that yes. does feel like something that's going to potentially bite them in the ass, especially yeah. with his injury records. So West Ham's
1: problem is creating chances. I think not putting them away. It's creating them. I don't think Danny Ings really fixed that problem. So they are all flops, I think, but that is mm. everything. I think um, there was some yes. Carabao cup action. It kind of went how we expected, um, Newcastle into their first final since 1996. I want to say, um, Manchester United first final for Eric Ten Hog should be a good day for everyone. I'm still expecting a Newcastle win. What do you think?
2: I'm hoping it's a Newcastle win. Um, I think... sorry, not sorry,
1: Andy. I'm definitely yeah, not sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm hoping so. Um, it'd be nice, semi nice. I don't know. I think we've got split feelings about the ownership of Newcastle, but. Yeah, on the basis of footballing credentials. Yeah, Newcastle, hopefully. But I think it's Man United's, I'm afraid to say. Oh, I think it is Man United. Yeah,
1: so. The experience might tell. Just very quickly as kind of food for thought, if Newcastle had spent like Chelsea had spent this January, I yeah. think the narrative around it would be very, very different. Now, obviously, there are reasons yeah. for that because of the owners. But... I think there are other reasons as to why Todd Bowley isn't being criticised as much as, say, Middle East people would be criticised for spending. Just something I think needs to be mentioned, because if Newcastle had done that, people would be losing their mind. Or City. If City had done it as well, people would be losing their mind. Chelsea getting off scot-free, and a lot of the coverage is like, they've won. It's fantastic. It's not fantastic. But anyway, right. Faster. Enough. Done with Chelsea. We are done. We need to go to the Premier League weekend and I need to get the fixtures up. Ah, I'll get them
2: in in the meantime. So we have got... On Friday, this is evening time at eight o'clock. We have got Chelsea taking on Fulham. So Ooh. that'll be a very good rematch for Jao Felix if he decides to turn up for this match. Um, but then Saturday, off <laughs> early That'd kickoff, as you alluded to earlier, Everton versus Arsenal. You're shitting yourself, but early maybe kickoff not. As, well. as well. Never
1: back the early kickoff, right? Exactly. Ugh.
2: 3pm we've got Aston Villa versus Leicester City, Brentford taking on Southampton, Brighton versus Bournemouth. We also have Man United versus Crystal Palace and Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Liverpool. And then the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday evening is Newcastle United versus West Ham United. Then going into Sunday, I think you get a bit more of a fascinating matchup. So you've got Nottingham Forest versus Leeds and that's the two o'clock kickoff followed by 4.30 kickoff, Rory, Spurs versus Man City. Can Spurs do you a favour? Probably not.
1: They're going to they're gonna go 2-0 up and they're going to throw it away again. They're going to get yeah. our hopes up and then fuck it because that's what they do. Um, but we <laughs> will see. Guys, we are done for tonight or for today, for this morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um Adam, anything to say before we go? And I send these beautiful people. No, away. beautiful as ever. Great to have Uncle Sharma on the show. And I'm looking yeah. forward to a weekend of football. Here we go. Nice. So, guys, as always, follow us on Twitter at Italian on Instagram at Anglo Pod. Follow us on YouTube, the Anglo-Italian Pod. Um, LinkedIn, all them things, TikTok, etc. We will see you on Monday and Of course I've not forgotten the quote. You were worried, but I've got it. And this is from Spalettone, talking to some kids, giving them some words of inspiration as he says, is there a strike? No. You don't care? How will I be able to coach you if you can't understand me? Have a good weekend, guys. We will see you soon. Ciao, ciao.
0: Podcast Network.